0: Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essay speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. We would also like to inform you of an upcoming Sexaholics Anonymous internet marathon. Around the World in 24 Hours will take place starting at noon, Universal Time, on November 29th, and will end properly at noon Universal Time on November the 30th. It's free to register online at www.sim.sexaholicsanonymous.eu. Thank you very much, and without further ado, welcome to the Daily Reprieve.
1: Hello, my name is uh, <clears throat> Federico, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic from uh, the UK. Um, I'm grateful to have been sober or to have been kept sober by my higher power working through this program since May 2011. Um, And that is for me a daily miracle. I'm grateful to have been asked to share today on the white book on pages 9 to 11. So starting at the start of the personal story and ending um, in the section titled uh, A New Phase, which is on page 11. So um, um, I'll read a little bit and uh, just share a few thoughts as I go along. I'm not any sort of authority on the white book, um, but it certainly describes me as a sexaholic uh, really, really well. So, um, yeah, so the start of page nine, a personal story. What was it like? I hope I never forget. For if I do, I'm liable to go right back out there and think I can lust like a gentleman. Again, you see, I'm a sexaholic, a recovering sex drunk. That's like an alcoholic. Only the drug is sexual lust instead of booze. Um, that for me is a really powerful start to the to what basically is the substantive part of the, uh, you know, of the white book Um. And um, <clears throat> a very powerful start to the, to the personal story, uh, because that first sentence, you know, what was it like? I hope I never forget, for if I do, I'm liable to go right back out there and think I can lust like a gentleman again, reminds me of my step one. You know, I am powerless of a lust. Uh, my life has become unmanageable. And I need to work this program, um, because if I forget uh, what I am and who I am in my addiction, then I will lose my spiritual connection, I will lose my connection with my fellows, and I will go back out there uh, and, uh, and you know, and go out there again. Um, and so it's it's a really strong and powerful reminder. Uh, and for me, it's um, uh, it's something that has always struck me about a personal story, that it doesn't start immediately with the author's life or with biographical details. It starts with this statement, what was it like, I hope I never forget. And I hope I never forget uh, what it's like for me, uh, what it was like for me as a sexaholic to be in active addiction, to be in the despair and in the desperation. Um, And, um, you know, this is part of why, um, you know, I work step one uh, every day on my knees in the morning and at night. Um, I fully admit to God uh, that I am powerless over lust and that my life has become unmanageable um it is something that i do you know verbally in prayer twice a day um i do it before the night as well because my acting out was a little bit like jekyll and hyde i acted out in the day i acted out at night but it looked kind of different and it felt kind of different so i found at the start of my recovery and sobriety i found that i basically it worked for me to 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 admit it twice to admit it in the morning and in and at night Um, And and it also has a a statement there at the end of that, you know, uh, you see I'm a sexaholic, a recovering sex drunk, that's like an alcoholic, only the drug is sexual lust instead of booze. So the author of the of the white book immediately, um, you know, sort of um, uh, immediately underlines uh, what I'm addicted to lust, Uh, just like an alcoholic is addicted to alcohol. Uh, So it doesn't say uh, a, uh, you know, it doesn't say that he is addicted to various forms of sexual acting out. He doesn't say that he's addicted to pornography or masturbation or whatever. He's addicted to lust. Uh, And this is my experience as well. I'm addicted to lust. So I'll go on reading Um, the second paragraph. As a small child, I was a thumb sucker. And the only way my parents could rid me of the habit was to call in the local motorcycle cop it was the 1930s in the country not far from Los Angeles. My parents, who came to America on the high tide of immigration, ran a small neighborhood store, a combination gas station, shoe repair and grocery. There in our store, I was confronted with the ultimatum from this giant enforcer who loomed so large over me, all I can remember is his huge potbelly and sam brown belt. It was either stop sucking my thumb or he would start slicing pieces off the end. I stopped with a convulsive shudder, but I needed that pacifier. And I'll stop reading there for a second, because again, that goes to the heart of my own experience as well, which is that, um, you know, what what the author here is saying is that he was a thumb sucker. He sucked his thumb to gain some sort of uh, release, to gain some sort of um, pacification, you know, to gain some sort of um, fix, basically. Um, And that when he was confronted by a big motorcycle policeman who was scary and who threatened him, he stopped, but he stopped quite convulsively, but he still needed some sort of pacifier, you know, some sort of fix. And I relate to that as well, because when I was a child, um, before I discovered sexual acting out, um, there were some things that I engaged with uh, or engaged in some actions and activities that I engaged in compulsively. Um, and the reason I engaged in them is that they took me away from reality. So I became a very good reader very early on because I found that I could, um, go off into fantasy and, uh, you know, go and live in different worlds, basically not be me and not be where I was, you know, uh, I would read novels and comic books, especially, um, and just fantasize nonstop, um, my family, of course, loved it because I was reading a lot uh, and I became very, very literate. Uh, but the reality is I was doing it uh, you know, compulsively. Um, and likewise, with one of these behaviors in particular, I do remember having an episode like this with the motorcycle cop um, where um, somebody confronted me uh, quite aggressively about something that I was doing. I stopped doing it, uh, but it didn't go away. The need to find some way of... Um, fixing myself did not go away. It just I just pushed it inside. And of course, it just came out in, in other ways. So I'll go on on page 10. The only other obsessions I can remember before age eight were the Sunday comics and evening radio adventures, stories and mysteries. My brother and I would practically crawl inside the loudspeaker to lose ourselves in total fantasy and escape the harsh realities of depression poverty which took our father and left mother with three hungry excuses for anxious desperation. And the thing that strikes me there is that thing about crawling inside a loudspeaker to lose ourselves in total fantasy and escape harsh realities. Yeah. So again, I relate to that because I, one of the things that um, was really prominent in my childhood was I was obsessed with comic books and with the images and with the pictures And I would read them for hours and read them again and go through them again and again and again. And this is before I developed any sense of my own sexuality or of sex or anything. Um, So, and the other thing that strikes me is that it talks about him and his brother, but it doesn't mention in this book, his brother becoming a sexaholic. Um, Now I don't know whether his brother became a sexaholic, but it, you know, but likewise I have siblings and they have not become sexaholics. So, Um, It's important for me to realize that, you know, I I have a reaction to reality, which is to want to abstract myself from it, um, which leads me to fairly abnormal, um, abnormal levels, uh, which is where my sexaholism goes. So I'll carry on reading. My favorite comic strip was Flash Gordon, with its brave men, marvelous machines and gorgeous women in stunning and revealing costumes. One Sunday I was devouring the strip with gaping soul when Azura, the queen of magic, appeared out of nowhere to embrace flash and touch my childhood, a strange new experience. The sexual arousal gave me the means of flight from reality and I found myself compelled to escape daily into the ecstatic oblivion that masturbation provided. I had found my connection. It was imprinted from the very beginning and sex would thereafter become dependent on picture women um and this reminds me, uh, so i 'll stop reading there, but this reminds me of um of the time before I knew anything about sex years before years before I found sexual acting out, I started becoming obsessed with the body parts of cartoon women um and um, I would look at them obsessively, not knowing why I was doing that um and i would I would fantasize about <clears throat> about these cartoon women that I was reading about on comic strips. Um, And what was at the heart of it, I think, was, again, this sense, this need for that connection. And in in the book here, um, the author puts connection in between brackets, because, of course, what he's talking about is is the misconnection. You know, is the connection with something unhealthy, with something other than what I'm really looking for? So I I totally relate to that. And then he goes on and says... (laughs) Though developing normally physically, I stopped maturing emotionally. In grammar school, I wanted so to break through and relate to other children, but never quite made it. I just wasn't there. I was off somewhere hiding inside myself, peering out at the world like it was all just another show being imagined in my head. Loss of emotional control was also evident during this period and in ensuing years in fits of temper. I would vent my suppressed resentment and strike out in violence against my brother. Um, So this tells me about the author's, you know, the author has started acting out. He started trying to make that misconnection through images, through masturbation. And it's started immediately to take him away from reality, you know, um, and into himself. He's talking there about, um, you know, I was off somewhere hiding inside myself, peering out at the world um and again this describe my describes my own experience very very well especially from when i discovered sexual acting out onwards i was increasingly isolated even though on the outside of, i might not have looked like it you know there is that expression you know the lights are on but no one's in uh, i was very good at uh, sort of being there but in my head i was i was somewhere else um i was in you know fantasy in another world Or I was in fear, I was in resentment, I was in anger, uh, I was in anxiety, you know, and it talks there about um, loss of emotional control. Um, And the next paragraph says, junior high school was more of the same, only with more anxiety. Boys and girls were pairing off, but I felt like the misfit, still peering out at the world. And masturbation, always masturbation. I used it as a pacifier, soporific, for escape, and for feeling I was really alive. High school was the worst. I remember girls wanting me, but I still couldn't break through. I had a crush on a girl, but the best I could manage was looking at her when she couldn't see me looking. It was in high school where I began seeing what was really going on between the sexes, secretly yearning for some of the action, not yet knowing what it really was. So I stole the locked supplement to the biology textbook and discovered, to my great surprise and pleasure, how humans had sex with each other. That's learning the hard way for someone who'd been a sex drunk for nine years. In high school, some of us would work half a day in the aircraft industry, then go to school the rest of the day. I remember bucking rivets on bombers where the back alley talk did more to feed my lust than pictures ever did. Part of me wanted what was on the wild side and wouldn't be satisfied with it, without it, religious upbringing notwithstanding. That plus a few brief encounters with the high school temptresses. I see now they may have been captive to lust too. Um, Lit the fuse of desire that would smolder for years to come. I was extremely allergic to lust all along, but never knew it. I just had that devastating feeling of being different. Um, So here, what what that describes for me is... um, you know, is that increasing need for acting out um, again in order to to fix that feeling of, of um, you know, to fix that feeling of, um, of being different. Um, but also it kind of describes for me a sense of separation also because it talks there about, um, you know, um, the author wouldn't be satisfied without lust, religious upbringing notwithstanding. And that was my experience as well. Uh, I did have a religious um, upbringing. Uh, I am still religious. Um, But I, uh, but it, um, but the experience of my disease is that lust hollows out uh, my insides, uh, you know, hollows, hollows me out from inside. And I was certainly still doing, you know, religious actions on the outside. But, uh, but again, there was very little, there was a lot of emptiness, you know, there was a lot of emptiness on the inside. And what I did use as well to fill that emptiness is, yes, is lustful talk, lustful materials, et cetera. So where it talks about the back alley chat, et cetera, that's where you could find me in my teens and twenties. You know, whenever especially I was around other males, um, I was the one who was pushing the lustful, you know, the lustful conversation uh, because, you know, conversation, mentioning it, mentioning lustful topics was a way for me of getting small sips of lust um, that could sort of, you know, keep me going through uh, through the day. And then the final paragraph there is whatever else was going on in those years, two things were as certain as my own existence, maybe more so, the daily need for my sexual drug to ease the emotional turmoil inside and the continuing search for pictures to feed the idolatrous craving. So again, there's a lot there. Um, <clears throat> he identifies this um, these two needs. Um the daily need for my sexual drug to ease the emotional turmoil inside and that sort of says to me that uh, the author of the white book was not acting out in a you know in a random irrational fashion there's a reason why the acting out was happening um, even though it might not have been obvious that reason but the reason was to ease the emotional turmoil inside so my disease makes me feel separate i feel irritable i feel separate and different um, and i need to ease that turmoil um, so i ease it by acting out which makes me feel even more separate and 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 the story goes on um and the second the second reason the second thing that he identifies is the continuing search for pictures um, and i certainly have that throughout uh, throughout my addiction and you know the continuing search for pictures to feed the idolatrous craving so the I- idolatry here and and it's a word that is used, quite a bit in the white book. Uh, so idolatry here, uh, for me, uh, what I relate to is that throughout my addiction, what I was doing was basically acknowledging the fact that lust was my higher power, was an idol, you know, represented God for me, um, became God for me. You know, I spent so much time and energy and activity on uh, on lust and on feeding my addiction. So in this sentence, the author of the white book really identifies the fact that you know there is a um, there is almost a step two experience that happens for me uh, when I'm in my addiction. I have a higher power, except that that is a negative, destructive higher power. Uh, lust is my higher power, um, and so once I've done step one, once I've admitted powerlessness over lust, uh, once I've admitted my unmanageability over my life. Then I need to find a power that is greater than my existing higher power. So in my addiction, my existing higher power is lust. Uh, and in step two, I need to find um, uh, I need to find a power greater than lust. Uh, who can, you know a power that can keep me sober? Um, I think I can safely say from my own experience uh, that I, I feel the action of that higher power that keeps me sober. Uh, on a daily basis, and have done so for the past seven years and a bit. Um, for me, that is a total miracle. I had no hope that that could work uh, when I came into this program. Uh, in fact, one thing I could probably honestly say when I came into the program is that I could honestly say that I could not, uh, could not you know, I didn't even harbor a hope that I could be kept sober for a day, uh, let alone, you know, weeks or months or years. Uh, for me, that is a total miracle. Uh, and it is proof that the program works and I'm very grateful for the for the author of the white book I'm very grateful for whoever sat down and you know put it down on paper because it describes me as a sexaholic it describes my acting out it describes what goes on inside me you know really really well and with that I'll sign off and uh, thank you for asking me to share
0: hello I'm Tim grateful recovering sexaholic By the grace of God in this program, I've been sexually sober since May 15th, 2010. And largely a large contributing factor is this white book and having the opportunity to read through it and read through and work the steps with my sponsor, my essay sponsor. And have enjoyed the miraculous healing, essentially, that's occurred and spiritual awakening that has occurred as a result of working through the steps and reading this magnificent book. I'm starting on page 11, uh, with the section called A New Phase, and going through page 13, uh, just before the section entitled Marriage. So, starting on page 11, it says, A New Phase. The U.S. Navy was the first time I can remember trying seriously to stop masturbating. Sensing something must be wrong, I brought huge hunks of willpower into play, along with new religious convictions. But all that did was turn me into a periodic... That's the term alcoholics use to describe the kind of drinking some of them did. Daily drinkers keep a certain level in their system. Periodics can go without alcohol for days, weeks, or months, and then binge. I would force myself to go, go a few days or so without resorting to masturbation. After all, I was a man now, wasn't I? But this new pattern only worsened the inner conflict and fled my den- or fed my denial that there was a real problem concerning this little section right here, in my case, I wasn't in the Navy, but I did something that I thought would help me stop for sure, which was to go on a mission uh, for my church. I thought, well, if I go on a mission, I will, uh, I'll be miraculously cured. I knew that my higher power could do things that I couldn't do. What I didn't realize was how my higher power is going to make it possible for me to quit and stop. Uh, masturbating, but not only stop masturbating, but stop lusting, which I didn't realize lusting was my problem. So uh, obviously the white book helped me to identify that that was the case, uh, that my problem uh, wasn't masturbation, which I thought it was, and had spent a lot of time trying to prevent or stop by setting goals and so forth, uh, which never worked. When I went on my mission, I became a periodic, uh, just like it mentions here. I was able to white knuckle um, quite well, and actually for quite a long time, primarily because I was actually trying to do something that I'd learned how to do in SA, which was turn my life and will over to a higher power, or the God of my understanding. Unfortunately, my God of my understanding, even though I was uh, spending time being a missionary, I didn't truly know my higher power to the level that I know now. So I'm really, really grateful for this. Now, continuing on. At the very bottom of page 11, After the Navy, I entered college and worked summers in the aircraft industry. What a tremendous surprise to discover the stand stand around the corner where I could buy a whole magazine full of women. I could have my queen of magic and better whenever I wanted. Like the alcoholic, I had to know a drink was available at all times. This was my lifeline. At this stage, I don't think I was lusting after women in the flesh yet. Lust was still tied to images on paper, were in my fantasy. But having a ready supply handy only intensified the problem. The more I knew was available, the more I wanted to, ha- and had to have, resulting in the need to change partners more frequently. As this new practice progressed, I found myself using a magazine, then destroying it, tearing it up, throwing it away, and meant I was swearing off never to do it again, again and again and again. What better way of supporting denial? How all this damaged my ability to re- relate to a woman or anyone would only become apparent in in ha- half a lifetime later. Concerning this section, this actually this portion actually uh, it was a little different for me. I actually knew I could lust after women in the flesh. I would actually started sexually assaulting at the age 13 when I started masturbating. But while on while on my mission, one of the things I learned how to do is white knuckle masturbation. But I always found uh, there were newspapers and and magazines and so forth that I could catch glimpses uh, uh, about any time I needed uh, with uh, either nudity or bathing suits or so on. Uh, At the age of eight I started um, delivering newspapers and in the newspapers I got as much pornography as I ever needed because uh, I uh, could pull out the the underwear ads or or swimsuit ads or so forth and and use those as the way to feed my lust. And so that's uh, how I continued to, to feed um, my lust while, uh, while serving as a missionary. Continuing on, it says, As I fed my malady and it progressed, so did the pictures and the magazines. There was always that enticing revelation of more and better and wilder pulling me on. It was as though lust had to keep advancing and never satisfied, had to resort to the ever more explicit images on which to feed. I'm a walking history of the rise of the men's magazines. In a way, my lust helped bring them into being. And of course, they aided and abetted my lust. Lust always wanted more. Now, in my case, I actually uh, was introduced to pornography at age of, the age of six. Uh, my lust also kind of followed the advent of the men's magazine, but I was not actively seeking them uh, at first I, I, when well, I didn't really need to. I had friends that would bring him uh, to school and show them. Uh, I would go over to friends' houses and I'd be able to see movies uh, with nudity and so forth that my parents wouldn't allow me to watch nor uh, dared uh, even think about having me watch. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, I continued to get uh, introduced to more and more explicit images. And later on, after uh, I was married, I got introduced to the high speed Internet and it was like heroin, uh, just or crack cocaine on my brain because I was just getting more and more and more explicit, worse and worse, much quicker. And but I kept I knew that this was a problem and I kept trying to swear it off or or not. uh and not engage in it, but I just everything I tried, it I would always invariably be going back in some way, shape, or form uh, through uh, video game addiction and so forth. So anyway, continue on. It says once a new threshold is crossed, my first was woman in one piece, one piece bathing suits. There was there was a new drug I had to have, but it only worked long enough for the next one to come along and carry me a step further. And as soon as that line was crossed, the next appeared as if by magic, and had to be crossed. That addictive wave kept on advancing. It never stopped. There was always a new enticing aspect of desire out there, uh, or is it in here, ready and waiting to pull me into it? I had to keep riding the leading edge of, what, of that wave. The more there was, the more I wanted. The more I wanted, the more I had to have. Wanting more always led to wanting more. And that was definitely the case for me. I always wanted more. It just kept progressing. Continuing on, it says, The first semester in college was good. My brother and I were reunited. College was exciting. Masturbation was working. I was doing well. Then a local minister intervened and manipulated what he thought would be a good boy-girl match. After all, we both played the violin, didn't we? I had never... Even gone out with a girl before, but shortly found myself engaged to, to be married. Twenty years old on the outside, I was emotionally stun, stunted child adolescent on the inside. The poor girl must have thought she was trying to relate to a whirlwind. But the hurricane of events and my own confused emotions swept me off my feet. I don't even remember how it happened. I do remember swearing off sex with myself for a month during the engagement, it was the longest I'd ever gone without. And I did it by sheer fighting, white knuckling. But it fought back naturally. And being deprived of the only drug I had at the time, I came close to a nervous breakdown. This engagement was interfering with my drinking, somewhat awful. So I found a perfect excuse to start up again. Big M, the good old unmentionable. How could I have thought I could ever live without it? In my case, I met uh, after after my mission. I was. Uh, Found or met my wife, actually, at work. And I got to know her, and I was just uh, enthralled with thinking that marriage was going to be the solution to my masturbation and, and lust problem. Now, not realizing it was a lust problem, it was just a problem with wanting uh, to seek more and more and, and so forth. And uh, so I pursued marriage. And that will be the next section. And so I'm Tim, Grateful for Recovering Sexaholic. And uh, I found out later that marriage indeed was not the solution to my uh, problem with lust addiction. So grateful for the opportunity to share and may you have a wonderful, wonderful time working recovery. I'm Tim.